0: Welcome to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. A great way to introduce some of the things that we're going to be talking about together this morning. I'm so glad uh, that we've got kids of all ages uh, here with us this morning. Kids City at our second service, so we're excited about that. It really is. It's good for us uh, to be together this morning and for us to learn a little bit from our kids. Uh, back in 1989, Robert Fulgram wrote probably his best-selling book, All I Ever Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It was a, uh, a great work that talked about some simple and some very timeless truths, the things that we need to learn as children that we take with us throughout our entire lives, things like share everything, play fair, Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Right? And then this. When you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. Now, why do I say that? It's because as you and I continue in our sermon series on who are we in Christ, that as we look at what Paul has to share with us, what he has to say to us are things that really, in a, in a very real sense, are our spiritual kindergarten. They're, they're the kinds of things that we learn when we're young, or maybe we learn when we're older, but we, we need to keep these things with us Throughout our entire lives, you and I know that there is a difference between being smart and being wise. You can be the smartest person in the room and yet lack wisdom. And in what we're talking about throughout this sermon series, what we're trying to say is what are the kinds of things that we need in order to have true spiritual wisdom? If you want to be the wisest person in the room, it's about knowing who you are in Christ. See, smart people may know kind of well who am I, but ultimately, as we were saying last week, wise people know Whose am I? It's really all about knowing who we are in Christ. Because, look, there are all kinds of voices out there who try to tell us who we are. And there are all kinds of things that try to convince us, and maybe we try to spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think about us, but ultimately what we said last week is it's about who we are in Christ. And we said as we had this mirror sitting here, this idea of we can look in the mirror and we can often get a distorted picture, and we can see the person looking back at us, and we try to make it about what we think other people think about us. We make it about our social standing and our financial standing, and we can make it about all of these other things. And what happens is we get this muddied, this distorted picture of who we are instead of knowing who we are in Christ. Because when you know your identity in Christ, it is going to make All of the difference in how you approach and how you walk through life. So this morning I want to invite us to open our Bibles. We're going to be spending some time together in Ephesians chapter 1. And specifically we're going to be looking at verses 15 through verses 23. As we continue in our sermon series, I want to give you just a little bit of background so that you understand the context of what we're going to be reading together this morning. Last week what we said is that verses 3 to 14 were literally one long run-on sentence. Paul was so excited we were saying about the things that he has to share, about our spiritual blessings in Christ, about how we are a chosen new creation, about how we've been redeemed and how we've been restored, all of these things, these incredible blessings that we have in Christ. Yet in what we approach this morning... It, too, is one long, run-on sentence. Paul hasn't lost any of his excitement. He's saying, look, because of all of these things that you have in Christ, because you have been redeemed, because you have been chosen, all of these things that you have in Christ, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I want you to be able to live into all of the blessings that you have in Christ. And what he's saying is, ultimately, I want you to grow into Christ and into wisdom. So if you've got your Bibles handy I want us to look together at verses 15 to 23, of course you're going to be able to follow along on the screen behind me. Listen to what Paul says. He says this, for this reason he's building on all of the things that he's been talking about the blessings that we have in Christ and he says for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word. Lord, we thank you that it is not merely words of simple wisdom, but, oh Lord, deep truths that need to guide our lives, that promise us of the incredible hope that we have in Christ, filled with His Spirit. Lord, today, as we study Your Word, may You, Lord, in all things, grow us up so that we would not be mere children blown to and fro by the wind But instead, Lord, be well-grounded. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, may you continue to open it up to us so that we may receive all that you have for us today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask, when was the last time you felt really, like, empowered? empowered to do something, to make decisions, you know, maybe, maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe in some of the things that are around you, just to feel the, the, the power to make a, a decision. How many of you have ever held a position or been at a job where you don't feel like you necessarily are empowered to help the organization think and vision? to think beyond kind of where they are. Now imagine that you are a um, a low-level employee at this company, your your personality may not necessarily be all that charismatic, but you have a new boss. And this boss comes in and says, look, I wanna make this department the very best department in our company and I need to know the, the people who are here. You've been here a long time and so what I want you to do is I want you to tell me who some of the best people are, and then we're going to be able to form a, a team that will make this the, the, the best part of, of our company. Now, I want you to think, in terms of your power, did your power come from your position? It didn't. Your position didn't change. You're still that low-level employee. Did your power change because of your personality? No, we've already established you don't necessarily have that great a personality. No, what your power came from was from your boss. Your boss has now empowered you to do something that you have never done before. And in the same way, this is what Paul is talking about. That when you and I experience being empowered, that it is not about our own strength. That it is not about our own ability, it is the fact that we have been empowered by God through His Holy Spirit. So I kept coming back to this thought over and over again this week. Ultimately, you don't need me to tell you who you are in Christ, you need Christ. To tell you who you are in Christ. You don't need me to tell you about all the blessings that you have in Christ. You need Christ to tell you about all of the incredible blessings that you have in Christ. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if your empowerment comes from me, or from Pastor Andrew, or from Presby guess what? The moment we're not in your lives anymore, suddenly you feel like you have lost your power. Ultimately, it is all about the blessings and who we are in Christ. If you, as we said last week, are identified in Christ, if you are sealed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, then no one can take that away from you it is your identity that makes all the difference now if you're following along and you want to take a few notes this morning the first thing that i want to lay before us is this what does a spiritual life of wisdom look like spiritual wisdom is the ability to say i am wise now that seems like you're kind of arguing in a circle that spiritual wisdom is the ability to say that I am wise, but I want you to see what Paul says in verses 15 to 16. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. One of the things that we didn't, that we didn't mention last week is... That when Paul writes the letter of Ephesians, he is writing it from prison. So Paul is a part of establishing a church. If you go back and you read Acts chapter 19, read like through Acts chapter 21, you're going to see how Paul is a part of establishing a church in Ephesus. He's been there for two years before he moves on. But now Paul is writing a letter from hundreds of miles away in prison. And what is he saying? Reports are getting back to me of the way in which you love Jesus Christ and you love one another. I want you to know how proud I am of you, that you are doing this, that you're loving Christ, that you're loving one another. I mean, I want you to think about that. I mean, could you imagine, as Paul is saying, reports are spreading all around the world of the way in which you guys are loving Christ and loving each other. I mean, imagine what that would mean for us in in like Warsaw and Winona Lake and beyond if people were able to look at us and say wow Reports are spreading about the way in which you are loving Christ and you are loving one another I mean there is just something that is so Attractive about that where they see the way in which we are called by God how we are sealed by God how we are Adopted by God how we're empowered through his spirit all of the things that we have in Christ that now We are living out amongst each other. That's the kind of thing that will change a community. And that's the kind of thing that will change a world. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, look, I've heard the reports about how you are wise in the way in which you are following after Christ. But notice what he says in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul's saying, look, you are already wise. You have, you're following after Christ. You have all of the blessings of Christ. But what is he saying? I want you to be even wiser. I want you to know Christ Even better and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you all kinds of incredible truths about who you are in Christ he's saying your identity is already in Christ But my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal more and more to you about who You are that you would be someone who is wise in Christ now Notice, if you want to do a little word study here, Paul uses the word knowledge. Now, oftentimes when we think of the word knowledge, we think of gnosis. It's where you get like Gnostic teachers in the New Testament. This idea of having some sort of understanding and knowledge, but it's usually knowing about something. So when you have knowledge, it's like, I know about this person. But Paul uses the word epignosis, which is deeper. It has this understanding of knowing someone intimately. It's about having a personal relationship with someone. It is more closely related to the Old Testament understanding of knowing someone. Like in the Old Testament where it says, Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. So what what Paul is talking about isn't just merely like, oh, I want you to know about Christ He's like, no, I want you to know Christ. To have this intimate, deep relationship with Christ. He's saying, I don't want you to have this spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know the truths of Christianity. He's not saying, I want you to have this spirit of wisdom and and revelation so that you may know all of the, the, the facts and figures of the Bible. He's not saying, I want you to have this spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can argue all of the points of the day. He's saying, I want you to know Christ. I want you to know Christ in a personal, intimate, experiential way. He knows, as we've already been saying, that they already know Christ and his salvation. But now he's praying that they would come to an ever deeper and passionate Love for Jesus Christ. By the way, Scripture says this in other places as well. In 2 Peter 3.18, Peter didn't say grow in grace and Bible knowledge. What does he say? But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Proverbs 9.10 says this. It's the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding we have to understand the Bible's focus when we read it is not that we would become scripture experts but that we would know Christ now that's not saying that knowing scripture isn't important right we believe scripture is God breathed it's used for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness if you want to live as a people who are wise, you need to know the word. But ultimately, what we're saying is it's it's not about knowing the, the word of God, it's about knowing the God of the Word. And the more you and I understand and know the God of the Word, the more you and I are going to want to know the Word of God. And the more and more you and I know the Word of God, the more and more we're going to want to know the God of the Word. This is what Paul is talking about here. Because otherwise, if it's just knowledge, for knowledge's sake, you have a religion instead of a relationship. And what Christ wants is a personal relationship an intimate relationship with you is that the kind of relationship that is forming your identity where you're not putting stock in what other people think or even who you think you are but ultimately in who God says you are in Christ do you know the power of his resurrection and the sharing in his sufferings. My prayer for us this morning is that we would grow in our love for Christ, that we would grow in that wisdom, but that evermore so our desire to know Christ intimately and passionately would also grow so that We would love one another well so that we would be known in our community for the way in which we love Christ and the way in which we love one another. That is spiritual wisdom. Now, notice how it leads to the next part how spiritual wisdom comes from the ability to say, I am royalty. I'm royalty. Now we were talking a little bit about this last week, but in verse 18 it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people i love the way in which paul builds on this foundation that he's been talking about our identity in christ and he's saying it's only when you know your identity in christ that you will be wise it's jesus who makes us smart but what are the smarts that he's talking about the opening of the heart and our eyes so that we could see it, so that we can know the glorious inheritance that we have. It is a confident hope that we have in Christ, and it is immeasurable. Now, Paul uses an odd phrase, right, that open the eyes of my heart. In fact, we just sang it a a little while ago, like, open the eyes of of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. But like, what does he mean when he says open the eyes of my heart? How do our hearts have eyes? What do we mean when we sing something like that? What Paul is saying is, what we have to understand is in that culture, the, the heart was really the center of knowledge. It was the center of wisdom and understanding. It was where your intellect and where your conscience resided. Now, where is it today? Our will, our intellect, all of those things we say dwell in our, our minds. But in, in Paul's day, he's saying that it was in our hearts. We say that it's in our hearts where our emotions dwell. But of course, in Paul's day, the emotions dwelt in your bowels. I mean, that's what they, that's what they believe, is that that's where your emotions kind of came from. And so when Paul talks about his heart, what are we, what are we saying here? How often, by the way, do you ever hear people say, just follow your heart, right? Or things like, well, in my heart, I I want to. But how many of us have ever been betrayed by our emotions? Perhaps that's why God says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the minds. What Paul is talking about when he says, open the eyes of our hearts, what he's praying is that from the very deepest part of our being, that we may understand God's plan and what he is seeking to accomplish in our lives. He's praying that this knowledge that we would possess in Christ would impact our feelings, our emotions, our decisions, and our moral judgments. Ultimately, what he's praying is that we, as his hearers, would have this spiritual understanding and insight to grasp all of the things that he is about to talk about in these next upcoming verses. Things that we cannot know apart from the mind of God. And what does he want us to see from the very depths of who we are? That we belong to Christ. It goes back to verses 4 to 6 that we were talking about last week, that we are adopted that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. All of the things that have been given to Christ are now given to us. It's not somewhere off in the distant future. It is what we have now. It's the inheritance that we have now. And so we have been called into this glorious hope, this inheritance. But what is this inheritance Notice, lastly, it allows us to say, I am powerful. I am powerful. Notice what it says in verses 19 to 23. So, why do we have all of these things? And his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted. When he raised God from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. See, as Paul is continuing in his prayer, he prays that the people would understand the incredibly great power of God. The the word that he uses here is dunamis, right? That that dynamite, explosive-type power. It's the kind of power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and allowed him to ascend into the highest of heights to sit at the right hand of God, what Paul is saying is this power is your power. The reason why Jesus said you can tell the mountains to move into the heart of the sea and it will be done. There's a reason why he said it's for your good that I'm going away because that way you will get the Holy Spirit to think about the incredible power that we have in christ jesus and through his spirit but do we tap into the power that has been made available to us do you know the power of christ in you and what could potentially happen in our lives and in our world now we said this last week why do we forget these things It's because we forget our positional nature in Christ. We've got to go back to what Paul has already been talking about, the fact of who we are, that we are the body of Christ, and Christ is our head. Now, how many of you have ever seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding*? And if you know it, you know what's like the famous line, right? That the man may be the head, but the woman is the neck. And so she turns the head where she wants it to go. Now, when we think of it that way, and maybe it's true in some of our relationships, but that's not the way it's supposed to be with Christ. We may be the body and Christ is the head, but we're not turning the head where we want Christ to. To go. There is an, an important linkage between the head and the body. I want us to see this. In the Westminster Catechism, it says this What is the union which the elect have with Christ? The answer is the union that which the elect have with Christ is the work of God's grace, whereby they are spiritually and mystically, yet really and inseparably joined to Christ as their head and husband, which is done in their effectual calling. So well, what is it talking about? What is Paul talking about? Why is this union with Christ so important? And scripture says it's because it's necessary. When you look at what John Calvin had to say, just about these couple of verses, it it is really mind-boggling. It, it, I, I saw things, I heard things, I, I had not even heard of it this way before. Listen to what he says. This is the highest honor of the church, that until he is united to us, the Son of God reckons himself in some measure imperfect. What consolation is it for us to learn that not until we are as one with him does he possess all his parts or wish to be regarded as complete? We don't think of Christ as lacking anything. So what is Calvin talking about? What's Paul talking about here? What he's saying is, you and I need to understand our positional nature. It The church is a vital part. We are the body of Christ. And Jesus, as the head of the church, longs for the body. He wants us to become as beautiful a bride as we can be and until that great and glorious day when that true perfect unification comes heaven and earth meet and the church joins with christ what he's saying is that until that day we as the body need to live into christ who is the head that this head has given us everything that we need, every spiritual gift, every blessing, but that as the church, ultimately, we need the head. Why? Because that's where the direction is at. That's where the power is at. That's where the wisdom is at. That's where the knowledge comes from. And what Paul reminds us of is that Christ fills the church as its head with all of its fullness. And ultimately, isn't that what we need? You and I have a tendency to ask the question of who am I from a very individualistic point of view. And when I do that, I have a tendency to listen to my own voices in my own head, I have a tendency to listen to the voices of other people instead of listening to the voice of God. And when I listen to other people and other voices and I seek wisdom in other places, what ends up happening is I screw things up or I'm not as effective as I could be and should be. What ends up happening is I live like I am a child of the world instead of a son of the king. You and I need to remember that. That it is Jesus Christ who is the head of the body. And if I recognize that my identity is in Christ and He is my head, then guess what? I, I have power. I, I have wisdom. I understand my royalty, that I, my positional nature in Christ. And then... I will be able to move into what God has in store for me. Brother people, my, my prayer for us this morning is that we would be a people who, in all things, are growing up into Christ, who is our head. That as we do so, we would love God and that we would love one another in such a way that it would be evident. To all people in our community, I would pray that we would grow in our wisdom and understanding and knowledge of God, not simply for the sake of knowledge, but so that as we learned to love Christ and grow in that beauty and who we are in him, that then we would become wise as a people who are a part of the body with Christ as its head. And my prayer for us is that we would be a people and a church who never move unless it's God who moves. Because that's, again, we can step into our own desires and what we think is right. Instead of saying, God, what is it that you want? And how can we follow as the body where you as the head are leading. Beloved people, my prayer for us this morning is that you would be wise and that you would know Christ, but that you would become even more wise in the way in which you know, know Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that it is easy for us to listen to the voices in our heads. It's easy for us to listen to the voices of others. And Lord, we so quickly drown out your voice. And Lord, what we are reminded of this morning is that we need to hear you, that that you as our head as you seek to lead and to guide, that, Lord, we would go where you want us to go, that we would listen as you would have us listen, that we would love as you have us love, that, Lord, we would live into the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ, that, Lord, we would know that that same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Lord, I would pray that for each person who's here this morning who is struggling and every day they look in the mirror and they see a distorted picture and they wonder who they are. I would pray that this morning they would instead know whose they are. That they would know that they are a chosen child of God who is wise. Lord, then grow us up as the body into Christ who is our head. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.